With our Sunday school lesson this morning um, and the last couple days or last couple weeks with uh, the book of Joshua, it's, it's such a challenging book, the book of Joshua, because we find there is a transition of leadership between Moses and Joshua. There is a um, conquest, uh, going into a new land to conquer a new land and new initiatives. And we see how that God is working through uh, one individual, Joshua, but working through an entire nation called the, the nation of Israel. And when we think of, well, in today's lesson, we find where uh, they went to attack Ai, which was their second city that they were going to conquer. And as they uh, went to conquer Ai, they forgot one very important thing. They forgot to ask God. <laughs> they forgot to pray and ask God what they should do. And we would think, well, that's, you know, not that important, is it? Well, it is very important because we find that as people are, sometimes our life is, that we do things kind of, things are done and we really don't have the right um, initiative. We don't have, well, in this case, sin. <laughs> we, had same, uh, we had this man who stole from the nation of of of. Jericho stole goods that they were not supposed to have and stuffed them in his tent in the, in the floor. Well, what we have here is how that Israel is encouraged to obey. <laughs> and in their, obey, in their obedience, they find God's covenant. And so in our life, we are encouraged to obey and we are encouraged to work the works of God, to allow the work of God to be part of who we are. Now, sometimes we don't follow through with it. Sometimes, in the case of Joshua here, he had, a, he had a great idea, he had a great formula, as was at Jericho. You send in a couple of spies, you spy out the land, you hear from God, you circle the, the, the city uh, seven, seven days and once a day, except on the seventh day, seven times, blow the trumpet horns, shout praise to God, and the walls come down. That's not a fairy tale. It's an actual event that took place. Well, when it came to going on in their conquest of Israel, they were going to go to the next city, which is Ai. And in that conquest, that they just, well, you know, we sent a few spies up there. They spied out the land. It's not that big. Let's just send about a few thousand men through 3,000 men up there. You know, it's just a little, con it's just a little, fortified city, and we can take that with no effort. Well, of course, they were defeated. And the challenge for us is that we want to work the works of God, but we need to hear from God to do those works. And that in hearing from God, it isn't that we have a formula, such as send the spies in, figure out what the weaknesses is, march around, you know, I don't think the spies saw the, found the weakness of Jericho by, you know, hiding in the, uh, in the loft uh, of, of, you know, the harlot. They didn't find the weakness in the, laws, in the walls by hiding somewhere. They found that God had a plan for them to take apart the city. And what they, the plan was march around the city seven days. And, but most importantly, was to walk in silence and obedience. So we find that in obedience, we are encouraged to work the works of God. 
It sounds like a very simple formula that if we do the right things for the right reason, we're going to have the right reward. But in the whole process, we need to just kind of sit down every day, stop for a few moments and ask God for bless this day, guide us as we go about the day, may we be doing good in our lives and in the lives of others. We want to give, to do, to help, to compliment, to extend a hand, to encourage, to walk with, you know. And, and what are we to do with all that? I think of Peter, and he says, such as I have, I give. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. So we can walk around thinking, well, I got to give everything away. That's not what he's looking at. Or we can be holding things in and saying, well, you know, they really don't need this. You know, I need it more than they do. But you see, the giving of what we have, the giving of our friendship, the giving of a handshake, <laughs> the giving of a smile, the sending of a card, the making of a phone call, we have a very important part that we are extending to someone else. Such as I have, I give. And what we're doing is we're listening for that still small voice that says, give, do, extend, help, withhold, <laughs> step back, step forward. Whatever it may be, God is at work working in our lives. And so we're not fixing, we're not fixing a broken life. We are encouraging the Spirit of God to touch a person's life. So we're not in the fixing business. So in, in John, God is the one who helps us to encourage to change us. In John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So first of all, we've got to clarify our thinking. Because we have a need doesn't mean there's something wrong. <laughs> because something is wrong doesn't mean that there's sin in our life and, and there's trouble. Just like at Ai, when they went to conquer Ai, there was sin in the camp. <laughs> so they couldn't they couldn't conquer the city because the, the, the guy had stolen goods from the city of Jericho and hid him in his camp. So therefore, the whole nation of Israel was held back from their conquering of the next city. So that began the idea that there's sin in the camp, there's something wrong. When things don't go as we want, there's sin somewhere and somebody's got to be to blame. So <laughs> it used to be that when uh, something, you prayed for something, you didn't, you didn't, it didn't happen, we'd start looking for someone to blame. That people would start looking for individuals that they could blame and pick on, you know, like in the church, it's not going the way we want, it's that person's fault, it's that person's fault, it's the preacher's fault, it's that person's... Everybody's trying to point a finger, and God doesn't point a finger. Who sinned that this is going on? Well, Jesus said here, neither this man nor his parents... It isn't, it isn't for, uh, it isn't um, sin that's holding this back. This has come for one purpose. And what is the purpose? This happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. When we're trying, when we, whenever we think of our life as a life that tries to find fault, we're missing the glory that God wants to bring that God might display 
his glory in our life. So rather than looking that there's something wrong with us, we need to be looking for what God wants to do in our life, how he wants to display himself in our life. It isn't our failures that hold us back. It's our thoughts, it's our understanding of our failures that create the problem. So not only, you see, what happens is whenever we sin, and we've all sinned, uh, we, we, we recognize that we've done something wrong, and then we allow the wrongness of that to become a hindrance to where we're going. And God is saying that whenever we are forgiven, those sins are forever forgotten. They are forever removed from our life, so we never have to atone for or look at them again. All right? So rather than us keep bringing them up, God is saying, let it go. Because I'm going to do a work in your life, such as forgiveness. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to set the captive free. <laughs> I'm going to establish people who are down. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to give encouragement to people who have lost their courage. I'm going to give strength to those who feel that they are weak. You see, when God looks at our life, there is, he wants to, this man has, neither this man has sinned, but this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. What is the work of God? What does God want to work in our life? What is it that God is about? You know, as I said earlier, that we kind of feel complacent where we're at, that this is the daily routine. We go to work, we go to school, we, you know, go, go wherever our daily routines, and we go about it every day, and, we, and, and what happens is we think that because we do the same thing we did yesterday, our life is pretty safe. We're pretty secure. If I do the same things I've always done, I'll get the same things I already have. Some people call that insanity. <laughs> insanity. Okay, we won't, we won't laugh at that one. But uh, insanity, is, insanity is doing the same thing we've always done, expecting a different result. That's being insane. I think things will change, but I don't need to change my thinking. All right, so anyhow, we, we look at this, and so the work of God might be displayed in our life. Now, what is it that God wants to do in our life? He wants to encourage us, but he wants us to be an encourager. He wants to lift us up, but he wants us to lift others up. He wants to bestow blessings in our life, but he wants us to bestow blessings on others. Well, whenever I get enough, I'll give. <laughs> you know, When I get what I want, then I'll start seeing what other people want and see what I can do for them. It doesn't work that way. You know, this uh, missionary was coming back from Africa after spending most of their life there, and they were on the ship and coming back with the same, on the same ship that Teddy Roosevelt president was coming back from Africa from a hunting ship, from a hunting trip. And so as they were arriving back at New York at the dock, that the whole world, it seemed, was out there welcoming the president back to the United States. And there's this missionary couple getting off the boat, and there was nobody there to greet them. And they began to wonder, wow, we've given our whole life to God, and there isn't one person here to welcome us home. And that night as he was praying and he's wondering, you know, discussing this with God, it was like God spoke to his spirit and says, you're not home yet. <laughs> 
This isn't your home. You're not home yet. When you get home, there will be a welcoming committee there. There will be a welcoming there for us. And it's just like Stephen, you know, there, when he died, Jesus stood up to receive him. And Jesus is always seated at the right hand of the Father. So there, is, there are things going on in our life that are greater than who we are and what we see around us. So we experience a new level of, as it were, fulfillment in our life when we see that our life is doing the work of God. And what is the work of God? Well, in this case, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who has sent me. Well, what has the one who has sent us done? He has forgiven. He has established. He has encouraged. He has helped us. He has extended a divine hand. He is taking that which was lost and bringing it back. You see, we are to do the work of God. We are to see the phone call, the concern, the card the, that we send as something that God would be extending through us to others. Do you know what worthless comes from? A sense of worthless means that we have seen a level of value and considered who we are, what we have, as worth less than what we consider a value. And so when we think of ourselves as worthless, that we see ourselves as incapable of measuring up to a certain level. And the trouble is, when that type of philosophy or type of attitude uh, comes into existence in a person's life, that level keeps decreasing. <laughs> you know, it isn't like we keep one level and our sense of self-worth or worthless continues to decline over a period of time to the point where we feel that nothing we do has any value and nothing we say has any importance. So therefore, I have nothing to do, nothing of value, and nowhere to go, nobody to talk to. <laughs> because I am worth less than anything I could offer. And that's completely contrary to the will of God. It's completely contrary to the word of God. In Colossians chapter 3, we have verse 17. Well, I'll begin at verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. You see, which part of the body of Christ is worth less than another part of the body? Anybody ever stub your little toe? Yes. What happens when you stub your little toe? It hurts. Your whole body responds to that little toe. Now, most of us would say that is a worthless piece of the body. <laughs> it, ha it has very little to do with me. But you take off that little toe and it can interfere with your stability. You injure that little toe, and it will let your whole body know <laughs> it has value. <laughs> because when it is hurt, there is pain. So you see, there is no part of the body of Christ that is worth less than other parts of the body. 
So when we see ourselves as God's chosen, he chose you, he called you, while you were yet in your mother's womb, he knew you, formed you, created a plan for you. So how can we say that our life created by God, initiated by God, empowered by God, equipped by God, is worth less than something else, someone else. We can't say that. can't be said in the body of Christ. It can't be said of the people, any individual in the body of Christ. We all have value. And the value is what God places on us, and then we, in turn, allow that spirit and word to come in to cancel out any thoughts that would consider us less than and see how God has created us to be receptacles, to be receivers of his empowerment, of his word, and of his spirit. So, in the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Don't get upset over anything. Let peace, peace be, peace be unto you. <laughs> and um, if any of you allowed your peace to be robbed, stolen from you? Oh, no, it wasn't stolen. You gave it away. Anybody gave, gave away their peace this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gave it away. Why? Because someone said something. Someone did something. And you know what? I just hung up on him. <laughs> I was fed up to hear with that person. They kept arguing with me. And, I, and Rhonda says, keep it down. We're in a restaurant. Just keep it down. I don't need to keep it down. <laughs> this person is not to my liking. <laughs> and I said, I'm tired. To, I'm through talking with you. Boop. <laughs> I hit the off button. The trouble is, it wasn't someone in a church. It wasn't someone in our community. It was someone I was paying to help me, and they're telling me <laughs> how I am not going to be a recipient of what they are going to do for me. And I'm saying, no, this is all backwards. I'm paying you to help me, and you're telling me you're not going to. I don't get this. <laughs> so I just hit the off button. <sighs> and then I was perfectly calm for the rest of the day. Lightning's going to come. <laughs> so, but you see, I gave my peace away. And I allowed myself to be sucked into a whatever personality that just rubs me the wrong way. And this person has done this on a couple of occasions. So I am going to refuse to talk to this person. <laughs> I want to talk to their supervisor, because this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I paid them to do for me. You see, whenever we have, we have certain expectations. And our expectations, you see, and I, and I think of, in, in, in the other sense, what is God's expectation of me? Do I have a right <laughs> to do this? Do I have a right to lose my peace? have a right to give away something that God has given me to anyone. I do not have a right to give away God's blessings <laughs> to someone else without recognizing they are God's gift to me first. 
as in peace and love and forgiveness and establishment. You see, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. There's a, there's a rule. Now, the rule is, let peace be upon your hearts and minds. That's the rule. Now, it's like um, the Achan who stole the money from, stole the goods from Jericho. He had given away God's covenant. God's covenant was, I'm going to give you this nation. I'm going to give you this entire countryside. I'm going to give it all to you. You just have to walk in obedience. So as we walk in obedience, we find that the covenant that God has established with us is eternal. And God does not renege. He does not go back on anything that he has promised. So if I will live, walk in obedience to God's word, and what is God telling me here? David, be at peace. I need to walk in obedience to that peace. Is somebody going to try and <laughs> steal it from me? Is somebody going to try and let me give it to them? <laughs> give away my peace. And yes, there are going to be things that give away, that we, will come into our life and we can give away our peace. And we can give away a lot of other things. <laughs> but God doesn't want us to give it away. He wants it to rule in our hearts. So there's one rule here. Let peace be in your heart. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, okay, we were called to be at peace. Then he says, and be thankful. And the Bible says, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You see, if we are grateful for the experience, we will be at peace with the experience. If we are grateful for what's going on, we approach it from a different perspective. Now, there are some times that we're just, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you, you ever run into angry people. They're angry all the time. Well, they've given away their peace. They've given away something. And they just kind of inhabit something that's really not meant for them. God has wanted us to be at peace and that we are to be thankful for his, his life that he has given us. And, you see, if we are not worthless see we're not worthless we're worth more if we recognize the value that we have in the body of christ we're about doing good and we are thankful for the life experiences that we have so that we are able to give of god's presence and god's peace to other people and let the word of christ dwell in you richly see it is the word of god that teaches us what does our self-talk tell us Self-talk can be very destructive. Self-talk can be very annoying. <laughs> Self-talk can just talk us into a corner and, you know, bury us, and we're still living. But you see, we've got to bring ourselves. Let the word of Christ determine your thoughts. Let the word of Christ determine your actions. Let the word of Christ establish you. And God has established us so that the covenant that he has for us can be fulfilled. And the covenant that he does not, that he, well, the covenant that he wants to flow into our lives, we are the ones who put up, you know, I don't, I don't need that just now. And we need it very greatly. And um, let it dwell in you richly with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. So we see we're, we're, we're allowing the word of Christ. We're allowing thankfulness. We're allow, allowing a song. <laughs> a song. Any of you hum, hum, 
you know, hum songs. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely poor in timing and words. And I remember the words, but the tunes and stuff, you never want me to sing them. But, uh, <laughs> but in our lives, we are to be rich in these things with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you see, word or deed, we are encouragers and we are doers. Whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you say and whatever you give and or is around you, we do it with a purpose that we're giving thanks to God the Father through him, through Christ. So our work is God's will. <laughs> Did you ever think of it that way? Your work is the will of God? That what you say, what you do, where you go, and who you're with and how you talk to them is the will of God. <laughs> I remember being in college <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, but whenever we were in, in Bible school, you know, that our school was a three-year three -year program. Today it's a four-year program. So I spent two years in West Virginia at Salem College and uh, three years in Rhode Island at Zion. And um, there was always this sense of going to class, you know, going to class, <laughs> doing tests, getting grades, going to class, doing tests, doing grades, going to class. What does that have to do with doing ministry? <laughs> Why can't I be out preaching? Why can't I be out doing? Why can't I be out? See, whatever we are preparing, God is preparing us, whether we know it or not, Cassie <laughs> and others that are in college, God is preparing you for your future. But it doesn't seem like much of a future, because what we're doing is going to class and listening to these people, and some of them are boring, and this, has, this class has nothing to do with, you know, what my major will be, and we're going through all this rigmarole about what is needed and what's not needed and all that, but everything is a preparation. What if we looked at our life that way? Everything is a preparation. Not to die and go to heaven, to live today and tomorrow with expectation. Everything is part. My life is the will of God. My life is the will of God. My father felt that way in the farm, coal mining. This is the, the will of God. This is what he has us doing. You know, working every day, milking cows. Milking cows was not the will of God. <laughs> I did not like it. Six o'clock, every morning, Christmas morning, Sunday morning, <laughs> every morning for every day with no holidays. It was not the will of God for me to be there and be kicked by a stinking cow. <laughs> but you see, it was. It was part of my training, was part of me becoming who I am. And, and, the, and the last verse that I want to look at is um, Psalm 127.1. It says, if I get it here, unless the Lord build the house, its builders labor in vain. Be encouraged. Your work is not in vain. You see, the work that we do in building our house, the work that you do in going to college, the work you do in going to school, the work you do by visiting your neighbor and calling them, the work you do is not in vain because it isn't about you. It's about God flowing through you and the covenant that God has established with you. 
that as we are faithful to the task that is placed within our hands, God is going to bless your life. And if we see that the blessings that I have, well, what is the blessing that you have? What is it? You know, what is the blessing that you have? Well, all I can do is cook. <laughs> That's your blessing. My mom used to make the best cakes. And every Sunday, we'd be hauling two or three cakes to church. People would pay her for them. And they would want more. <laughs> I'd try to eat a piece so we could keep it. <laughs> you know. But, you know, it was, it was her blessing. She could just cook. Everybody loved what my mom cooked. But you see, some people just by calling somebody on the phone. Well, that's nothing. I can do that with my eyes closed. Yep. <laughs> but do you see what it means to someone else? So that means that whatever you're doing is not worth less than anything else that other people do, than the baker, than the musician, than the accountant, than the farmer, and the truck driver, <laughs> working around the families and neighborhood and doing this and doing that, just praying for someone and talking to them on the phone. Everything that we consider as our little normal and not worth very much is not God's thought. Because we would think that because we're doing it, it's worth less than what somebody else has. But in, in, the, in the economy of God, there is no part of the body worth less than the other. <laughs> so your life, my life, whatever you are doing is of great value to God. And if we will allow God's covenant to speak to us, if we will allow the agreement that God has made with his people to filter into our life, then everything that we do on a normal sea of life will take on an extraordinary blessing, not only to us but to others, because we recognize it's a gift that God has given us as part of our work for God. Amen? Okay, that sounds wonderful. Amen? <laughs> Let's all stand. Thank you. <laughs> so, anytime, anytime, anytime we think of something as being worth less, we need to stop that and recognize that's not God. That's not God. God would never tell us that because He did not create us to be worth less than anyone else. He created us that we are part of the body of Christ. And each of us will be rewarded according to our gifts and our faithfulness to those gifts that God has given us, not only in the life to come, but in this life. So take the giftings that God has given us and allow his spirit and his word to mold our thinking. And I am not greater than, I am not less than, but I am on God's playing field of life in which he will bless my life and bless the fruits of my labor. Amen? Father, thank you that we do the work of God. We do the work of God in our daily lives, and we thank you that it is that which you have intended for our life to be, and we are perfectly suited 
for this work that you have placed within our hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we are part of your body. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.